Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monique Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. In 2005, Steve Jobs shared a personal story during his commencement address at Stanford. The story was about connecting dots. The central idea behind it was that everything happens for a reason, but you won't know the exact reason looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, karma, whatever it may be, and move forward with confidence that the dots will somehow connect in the future. So follow your dreams and do what you love, and it will all connect in the end. Our guest today, Kelly LaFerriere, Chief Business Officer at A-Rod Corp, shares her career journey and how following her heart and trusting her gut has led to her success, and how it is only now that she's able to look back and connect the dots of each experience she's lived and appreciate how they have all contributed to where she is today. In her current role at the A-Rod Corp, Kelly focuses on strategic operations, investments, media and entertainment, and marketing. Kelly also serves as the advisor to Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie, owners of the NBA's Minnesota Timberwolves and the WNBA's Minnesota Lynx. She is a business and brand builder with experience in large companies and startups. Kelly has worked in media, sports, and entertainment for more than two decades, first at ESPN on the Programming and Acquisitions Senior Management Team, and then at Six Flags, where she led the business and operations of East Coast Parks. In addition to her current role, Kelly is also president of SlamCorp, a special purpose acquisition company that is an equal partnership of Alex Rodriguez and Himanshu Gulati, the founder and chairman of Antera Capital. In this episode, Kelly shares the importance of following your personal mission, vision, and values, advice on shifting your mindset away from limiting beliefs, and why authenticity is the key to building and maintaining relationships. Visit I Am Beyond Barriers, where you will find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Kelly. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. And let's just dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your journey, um, how you landed in the role that you're in, and what are some key lessons you learned along the way? Sure. Uh, first, thank you, Monica, for having me as a guest. I love your mission uh, to help women with professional development, and I'm super flattered to be here. So thank you. Uh, my career has been focused on the business of sports, media, and entertainment. It's been a great journey. I'll take you through the highlights. I spent uh, my first 10 years at the Walt Disney Company, starting at ABC Sports in production, and then moving over to ESPN on the business side and programming and acquisitions, where we negotiated the rights to televise NFL, NBA, NHL, many other sports. Mm -hmm. From there, I went to Six Flags. I followed my boss at the time, Mark Shapiro, um, and ran the East Coast parks from Montreal to DC. And these parks were really like small cities. I was focused on, yes, yes uh, general management, which actually meant everything from ticket pricing to staffing to capital projects like new roller coasters and um, 
anyhow, it was a fun ride. And after Six Flags, I took a more entrepreneurial route and worked for two different female-owned small companies. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to make an effort to build my career around my life at that time and not vice versa. Right. And one of my assignments at that time with Sellers Easton Media was to work with A-Rod Corp. And Alex was in the process of trying to buy the Mets and scale the firm. And he saw a need for my skills and background. And I saw some really exciting things going on there. And that led to my current position as chief business officer at A-Rod Corp. I like to think of my journey in terms of the Steve Jobs 2005 graduation speech. Right? He talks about how each stop in our career is like a dot. And it's not until you look over your shoulder that you can see how all the dots connect. Mm. He says to follow your heart, even if it takes you off the well-worn path, and you'll see ultimately how all these dots connect in unexpected ways later in life. And that really was profound for me Mm -hmm. because I can see so clearly now how each of my experiences has has led to where I am today. And uh, it really provided a lot of clarity around it. That's fantastic. And I love that analogy because... Um, it is a little bit about following your heart. But my question for you is, is that, you know, making these kind of transitions that you did can be difficult and scary. And following your heart is um, sometimes it, you know, it tells you know what to do, what have to do, but your head sometimes plays with you in terms of, you know, the self-doubt, can I do it? How did you, did, you know, did you ever have any limiting beliefs going from, you know, you went to a lot of really, if we think about it, male dominated, you know, industries and areas, especially in sports. Um, and, you know, were there ever any limiting beliefs, self-doubt that you had? And if so, how did you get past it? So it's funny. I, I, uh, there's limiting beliefs and there's fears and some people sort of bundle those together. And I, uh, I, I try to separate them because one I think is actually super positive and the other one can be very limiting. Right. Um, when it comes to fear, it's a funny thing for me because I have a different sense of what I'm afraid of. I grew up around funeral homes. That's uh-huh. our family business. And so uh, <laughs> the obituaries were read like sports pages. And at the dinner table, we always heard how somebody lived their life. And you uh-huh. figure out pretty fast what to be afraid of. I was told, you know, no motorcycles, no drugs, no rock climbing. Right. Uh, but I learned perspective on what mattered most. And somehow my family always found humor and it's a coping mechanism. But I, I always had a sense of like what uh, what the big picture included and not to sweat the small stuff. And try to avoid some of those limiting beliefs. Um, but we all have them. I mean, we, it's mm-hmm. just a fact. I don't care who you are. And what's helped me um, is to try to obviously limit those voices um, and shift the mindset to more positive self-talk. And I think that's like a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin, Christine, has had a very successful career. And I remember when I first started out, she said to me, Look, you need to remember when you think you're like a B minus C plus, you're actually an A minus. Like we are never as bad as we think. Mm -hmm. And that's helped me a lot. Like if I'm having a bad day or whatever, I can say, like, I don't, I don't know that I'm coming across as as (laughs) as bad as I think I am. Uh Uh, That's been helpful to me. That's fantastic. And it's so true. I appreciate what you say is that, you know, we are our worst critic. And a lot of the times we give ourselves a grade much lower than, you know, what others are seeing. Um, I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about clarity because you've had a lot of very different roles and um, I can appreciate how you were following your heart. What, how did you get that clarity of, you know, when these opportunities were coming your way, even though they may, may have not seemed like they were connecting in the right way and you followed your heart, what was that clarity or what was that, 
mindset you had in saying yes to the opportunity where more often than not, a lot of women will opt out or, you know, not take those types of opportunities because they don't see the connection. Yeah. So Monica, you know, companies spend so much time on creating mission, vision, values. You know, there's offsites to discuss and a big focus and all the decisions flow downstream from there. We're doing that right now with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and it's it's fascinating. You set the core foundation, and then the values govern the behavior, and everything flows. I think it's super important for people to do that in their own career, mm. and that becomes your compass. That provides the clarity that you need that puts different opportunities into light in terms of what is the proper action based on your own personal North Star and mission, vision, values. So for me... You know, my mission has always just to be an impact player wherever I go, try to make it better than I found it, whether it's my job, my family, my friends, my community. And and if there's a need, fill it. And and that's been super fulfilling for me. I also know from my values, I authenticity is important to me, humor, uh, having fun at what I do and, right. and diversity. And so I try to find opportunities that include those features. That's so insightful. And I love what you said in terms of, you know, yes, lots of companies and everybody always talk about mission, vision and goals and all of these things. And we should be doing the same thing, which makes me think a little bit about personal branding. And in the same way, like you said, with uh, the Timberwolves and others thinking about the brand and what do we, what do you stand for? Um And I think a lot of the times people forget that about their own personal brand and telling their story. Um, Can you share a little bit about that of like, you know, when someone maybe asks you, what is your brand um, and how do you articulate your strengths or your story? um, How do you go about really kind of articulating that in a unique value proposition way? Throughout my career, I've really tried to let my work speak for itself. Mm-hmm. We, we have a saying at A-Rod Corp, it's don't talk about it, be about it. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's that athlete mentality. I played sports growing up, but it's it's about performance. It's about stats. It's about letting your production show on the field mm-hmm. and, and surrounding myself with managers and good people who recognize that. And I, I've had good luck with that. Uh, I also think running to tough assignments is has has worked for me. You know, when I left ESPN to go to Six Flags, people thought I was nuts. Um, ESPN was sort of at the top, <laughs> right. and Six Flags was a turnaround. It had two billion dollars of debt. There were headwinds. It was a proxy fight, and I sort of loved the opportunity to get P and L experience, public company, go with a team that I loved and believed in, and uh, I don't regret it for a minute. You know, and the last thing I'll say is um, I'm learning now as I go in my career, how important it is to share your story. Uh, and that it's hard for women to do that, at least for me. Yes. Um, and I, I, I have had to get comfortable with the fact that I'm not tooting my own horn. It's actually beneficial to other people if I can share it. And so I'm working on that. <laughs> yes, I think we all are. And I think that's the hardest thing that we, um, you know, as we as I've shared with you before, we work with a lot of women in a lot of organizations and companies, and they come through this accelerator program. And one of the hardest things for them to do is to articulate their unique value proposition and share it. And, you know, and there is a subtle art, right? There's a fine line between self-promoting and, you know, uh, you know, tooting your own horn and then, or blowing it to where it's just like, okay, it's obnoxious. Um, So, if you could, you know, tell tell me a little bit about um, 
in in what are some unique ways maybe where you're saying I'm sharing my story, but it feels better that I'm not like bragging in in other words. So what are some opportunities um, that women can do that in in terms of being able to take credit for work that they're doing, but not necessarily be all about me? Um, do you have any examples that you've in the past have learned how to tell your story more subtly? Uh, I think through your relationships, I, 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 it has to be authentic. I, I don't know that it's effective to sort of uh, go out on a on a dedicated campaign to try right. to um, spread your word. I think it really does come down to how you show up in the world, how you show up with other people. Mm-hmm. And that will make itself known. I, I don't, I, I, I think it is a mistake to focus too much on, um, I don't know, it's a fine line to be honest, yes. Monica, because there, there's at a certain point when I think women do have to advocate for themselves. And then at a certain point, they have to just put their head down and do the work and, right. and want, if they want to be treated like everybody else, they have to step up and, and do the work. And so I, I think it's a fine line. I don't know that there's a perfect answer on that, but mm-hmm. I, 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 um, as I, I think it depends also on where you are in your career. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're starting out, um, it's much more about trying to outwork everybody and get the job done and deliver and execute and, and show what you're made of and show mm-hmm. your potential. And then as you get older, you have more of a story to tell. But I, I think we have to pace ourselves. I love that. I love the idea of it's true. You have to build the story, right? And you have to, you know, perform and you've got to, you know, be able to then have the experiences that you can talk about. So it is a little bit of starting the story and then being able to tell the story. Um, I think that is really important. One of the other things that um, we see a lot and we see in the research as well is that women sometimes get um, stereotyped or maybe, you know, they lean towards indecision. And have a difficult time making difficult decisions or even taking risks. And, you know, just based on your career journey, you've taken quite a few risks, like you said, leaving ESPN and going to Six Flags. And, you know, how did you weigh the risk reward um, in making those leaps of faith and going into some of these other, you know, opportunities? Well, I think when it comes to difficult decisions uh, that you really have to check across your head, your heart and your gut. And uh, Diana Chapman has a great book called Conscious Leadership about this. And she calls it EQ, IQ and BQ Mm -hmm. and really listening across all three and and seeing how the spirit guides you. and, And especially at that point in your life, because your needs might be different depending on where you are in your life. Right. I also love, and I do it with my kids all the time, is just the old fashioned pro and con list. Like mm-hmm. write it down, like weigh out the risk, the reward, and see what fits based on what your goals are at that time. Yeah, I love the pros and cons. And it's one of the most simple strategies, but it does help you look at, you know, positive, negative, um, you know, here's the upside, here's the downside. Can I live with the downside? And if so, okay, let me move forward. That's fantastic. Now you've been really successful. And like you said, um, your work really has shown you, you know, your ethic, uh, work ethic and all the results that you've had so much. So like you said, when you were um, working uh, with A-Rod on those, A- in, on some projects and he saw your skill set 
and saw, you know, um, the, those success strategies and you ended up going over and working with the A-Rod Corporation. Um, what are some of those, can you share some of those maybe habits or rituals that you do that help you be successful? Like, what would you say is your secret sauce? I'm really into goal setting. That mm-hmm. That is important to me, both on sort of a, um, a macro and, and micro level. I think mm-hmm. on a micro level, every year I map out my four goals with the tactics. Uh, at A-Road Corp, we call it the game plan. I work with an executive coach named Matt Spielman, who's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that has that really charts the course. Um, on a macro level, I, I don't really sit down and map it out like Google Maps. I'm going to go left and then go right. I, it's right. more about like I'm in the ocean navigating the stars and it feels <laughs> more, it's more feel than prescriptive, I would say, uh-huh. not locked in. Um, on an individual basis, day to day, I write down three things each day to win the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's super helpful at the end. I can just cross check and say like, how did I do? It's just my own way to hold myself accountable. And can you, do you have a secret on, I think one of the things that even sometimes I struggle with is prioritizing and actually executing and focusing on the right thing at the right time. How do you go about maybe daily or, or weekly on what is the, you know, how do you prioritize and make sure even when you're trying to, you know, balance work and life and integrate the two, um, how do you, how do you manage that? Well, the biggest thing uh, that, that that I do that helps me is sun, every Sunday night, I send to Alex and the team my priorities for the week mm. based on uh, all the areas that I'm working. And that really does help keep me honest by Friday. How have I done versus that list? And it also reminds me, no, actually, these are the priorities because 10 things will pop up between that Sunday and Friday. <laughs> and it reminds me like, no, actually, these are really the priorities. So uh, and and then we have that accountability amongst our team because now everybody is sharing them. And so we know um, what everybody's up to. Uh, and so that's super helpful. Um, and, and I think another habit and ritual that sort of helps me stay clear is uh, communication with other people, like just continuing to connect with other people and keeping your ear to the ground on sort of what are the most relevant trends, what's what's driving business or driving sports or media, whatever I'm focused on at that moment and not losing sight of that. I think it's so easy to get into the inbox and just try to plow through and get through each day. But um, I think in order to really know what's important, we've got to lift our head up and sort of look around and keep our finger on the pulse. Right. I think that's so insightful. And I love that every Sunday, it's almost kind of a ritual every Sunday. These are my priorities, you share them. And that's a little bit of the whole managing expectations with others of like, here are the things that I need to work on. And I feel like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, it gives you a little bit of power to say no, when those 10 other things come at you. And you're like, listen, I sent you my priority for the week. And unless you're telling me this takes priority over that, I'm going to say no, or I'm going to shift things around. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the power of community. Um, Because you have developed really strong relationships with influential people and have had phenomenal opportunities come your way. And one of the things I've learned over the course of working with a lot of women and sometimes even lived experience where 
we don't leverage our community in the right way. We may leverage them from a professional perspective and have really great relationships, but not leveraging them professionally to help us get things done. And can you help share like how you gained access to influential relationships and how you manage those? And how do you leverage them in the right way? Building relationships might be my superpower. I've learned that from my mother. Uh, She has so many multi-generational relationships from all aspects of her life. And it truly is one of the most fulfilling parts of life. And and she's really modeled to me how to build them, how to maintain them and how to cherish them. Mm. And you dust them off if you need to. I mean, I recently had lunch with a former colleague from ESPN that I hadn't spoken to in 17 years. And it was like, we picked up where we left off. A number of great things came from that. And relationships don't expire, but it definitely takes work to maintain them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a critical a critical thing for people to to do it and to do it authentically. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in business, having been involved in a number of negotiations, I think it's really about creating those win win situations. So people leave with a good taste in their mouth. I mean, right. Alex always asks in our business conversations, like, how can I help? He leads with that. Like, how can I help? Let's be a missionary, not a mercenary. And, and people remember that. I mean, it's, it's a long game. So you want to make sure that, that it's a win-win scenario. I love that, the whole describing it as a win-win, because that's exactly what it is. And I think, um, you know, I think more women need to really think about that reciprocity of not being on the end where you're constantly giving. And because I think that's what happens with a lot of women is they're constantly giving to the relationship, but never, you know, um, creating that win-win situation where they're asking and, and asking for help and getting a, you leveraging a resource as well. Um, and so I love the whole win-win of thinking of it that way with that mindset. And then how can I be of service? And, and then also in some cases when you need that, like you said, nurturing that relationship so you can ask for help when you need it. Yeah, I would add, I, I think it's really important that uh, to give to give a reason for them to invite you to the table, like be useful, be relevant. Why? Why should they care? Like ask yourself, what is it about what they're doing at that moment where I can be helpful? Mm-hmm. Um, and also just to see people as people like at the end of the day, everyone, I don't care where you are on the chain, like everyone has influence to some degree. And and we all have something to add and, and learn from each other. And not to lose sight of that. It's not just about trying to land that one person in that one chair, but open yourself to what up to what you can learn from everybody. And then think like, who can they meet in my network that might be helpful to their mission? Mm-hmm. And when you when you bring people together in sort of unexpected ways, that's when the creative sparks come and, and you just don't know what's going to happen. So I, I get a lot of joy out of that. And I think that's so much part of doing business. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to IamBeyondBarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. Now, I know that, you know, in you're in the kind of sports industry and you're probably surrounded by a lot of men 
um, more so than other women. And you may have junior women constantly, you know, reaching out to you for, for mentoring and things. What do you think, um, you know, what is some words of advice that you would give to the young women that maybe you see them struggling? Um, and, uh, you know, what, it, what are you typically having to coach w- young women to do so that they can get ahead? Well, you know, like you mentioned, I, I have worked in, in male dominated fields, but I, I, I've always worked with people who have empowered me. And I think it, it's women should, should make sure that they put themselves in an environment where they feel like they have opportunity. They feel like they have respect. And I think I've been fortunate in that way because over the past 15 years, I, I feel like I have this band of brothers that I could call at any time and pick up the phone and, and vice versa and be there for each other. Um, and th- and that's been my own experience, but I, I and I know everyone is different. I, I think that it's really making sure that you're you're uh, identifying leaders who will empower you and support you and put you in an environment where you you feel that. I think that's brilliant. Your band of brothers, and I think it's so important that you said that that you've had individuals in your career who have empowered you, but from what I'm, I'm getting is that most of these sponsors or, or this band of brothers have been male. Um, and I think women sometimes make the mistake that they feel they have to find another female to kind of coach them or lead them when in reality, it's, you know, it could be a man who has the role you want that's kind of taking you under their wing and showing you the way. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like have most of your mentor sponsors been men and, and how, you know, how have you, how have you leveraged that? They have. And it just has happened organically. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I have a lot of gratitude. I, and, and I, and again, it goes back to, I showed up to do the job and it, and, mm. and it was recognized and, and supported and I was advanced because of it. And, and I always felt that and knew that um, even if the optics might have been different. And so, I, it's, it's hard to say, like, I, I don't, I don't, I can't put a finger on, um, it, I think it's, it's been that way because I've been in industries that are male dominated. So if I was in other industries, it, w- it might be different. It doesn't mean one is better than the other. Um, I think it's important to have both, to be honest. And I have had both, um, I, you know, and I, and I have family members, like I have, my my brother is an incredible mentor. As I mentioned, my cousin Christine. Like I have people even outside of industry mm-hmm. that have led me and guided me, um, and and so I'm, I'm fortunate that way. But I I think people refer to this like board of directors, and mm-hmm. I do think that that's important to have a collection of people that know you well, mm-hmm. that can give you that gut check and make sure that you're on the path that you want to be on, that you're in the environment you want to be in, um, doing the work that you love to do that makes you happy. You know, there are two um, different tools that that I've done that I think can be helpful for people when they're evaluating things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, one is the um, the Johnson O'Connor aptitude mm-hmm. study, where you go in and you really learn your aptitudes and and what your your core talents are, and then you're putting yourself in an environment that yes. speaks to that. And if you're if you're doing what you're good at, then you're happier and you're typically with the people that also like to do that. And it becomes a healthy sort of self-reinforcing environment. Um, There's also character tests. There's one called the VIA Institute survey that measures your character strengths. And that's more about what you need to feel to be fulfilled at work. You know, for me, it's 
it's honesty, humor, perspective, leadership, and teamwork. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I look for opportunities that have those have those features. Mm-hmm. And and if I'm checking off on those things, then then ultimately I'm going to be around people that also um, reflect that. And and I think positive relationships that are reinforcing and help you grow in your career come from it just naturally. That's fantastic. I love those two things. And we'll be sure to pull those out and, and create those links um, in, in your podcast show notes, because I do think it's really important for people to lead with their strengths and make sure that they're doing things that they feel you know that they're good at. But I think the other important thing you said is how do you want to feel when you're working and making sure that the things that you're doing are eliciting those emotions and those feelings so that you don't get, you know, burnt out per se. Um, just given, you know, the current environment where people are feeling very burnt out. Um, on that note, what do you do? Because I know you have a very intense jobs and you're working in, you know, these organizations and you have very senior roles. Um, what do you do for self-care? How do you kind of dial it down and re-energize? Well, I, I exercise every day. Mm. Um, I try to meditate. I know the benefits. It's scientifically proven. Whenever I do it, I feel better. I'm more focused. I don't do it enough is the truth. Um, and I try to find that balance with my family, which means the world to me and my friends and my community and, and live a full life. But I, I think I've reconciled it with the fact that it's peaks and valleys and, and it doesn't matter which one is at the peak, but everything is peaks and valleys. And so you try to take advantage of, of, of each scenario. It balance, I think is a little bit of a misnomer. I mean, yes. it, if you're doing a job um, that requires the amount um, that, that senior level jobs do. And frankly, most jobs do today, especially sort of it, during and post COVID, like people are doing more and, and for longer hours. And I think we all have to have ways to sort of regenerate and know what they are and know ourselves well enough when we got to unplug and and rebuild um, because I want to be in it for the long haul. Right. And, uh, and in order to do that, there have to be sort of self-sustaining tactics. It's different for everyone, uh, but that's what's worked for me. That's fantastic. I love how you describe the peaks and valleys and I love how you bursted the bubble of there's no balance. There is no work-life balance. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of work-life integration and there's ebbs and flows. And yes, you could possibly have it all, but not at the same time. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I love the peaks and valleys. I think that's a really great visualization. Well, Kelly, this has been phenomenal. And I loved, you know, being able to peek inside your head and hear how you've been successful and your amazing journey. And I know that our listeners are certainly um, going to resonate with your story. Um, Tell us a little bit about, because we always get this, we have listeners always reach out, wanting to know how they can connect. What's the best way they can follow you? Do you have um, a LinkedIn, Instagram? Where where do you kind of leave your Kellyisms for people to follow? Uh, LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I was an early adopter on LinkedIn and I going back to just relationships and staying in touch with people or on top of what people are doing. Uh, it's a great outlet. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. It has been awesome getting to know you and we hope to continue our connection with Beyond Barriers. Thanks, Monica. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. 
There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.